Welcome to the Paddle Chat with Chase and Matt. It's our first episode. We're going to attempt to do this. We uh, love surf ski. We surf ski kind of all year round here in Jupiter, Florida. I would, um, we're really big into downwinding. Uh, we're hoping to get more into downwinding. Just wanted to provide some different information than some other podcasts to see if people actually like it and to uh, have our partners uh, not roll their eyes at us when we're talking about this stuff. So we decided we're going to try to talk to you about it. Uh, I would describe us as... We're, we're tired of talking to each other. Yeah, we're tired of talking to each other. So now we're going to see if anybody's interested in the crazy stuff we talk about. Uh, I would describe us as regionally competitive surf ski paddlers. We also do surf life-saving and surf life-saving races. As I said, we're from Jupiter, Florida. And yeah, it's uh, Jupiter's a good man. It's a it's a good. We have a good uh, base of all types of paddling in this area, um, at least for Florida, U.S. standards. Um, surf ski is definitely not as popular here as it is in South Africa or Australia, but I guess one of the goals for this podcast is to maybe try and change that. We want to grow the sport, get more people into paddling, get more people into ocean paddling specifically. Um, and where we live here is a great, it's a, it's a great area to do that. We have a lot of water. We have a lot of inland waterways. Um, we have good ocean conditions, blue, warm water almost year round. Um, you know, the air is, pretty warm most of the year um, we don't have all the nooks and crannies and points of land like uh, you know other places in the world have that make for good easy downwind conditions but um, we get our fair share of days that line up for a downwind our coastline is pretty straight um, mostly sand bottom There's a lot of potential in this area. We have a lot of waterways, uh, intercoastal and rivers and ocean, and we don't really see enough people out there enjoying it. So we want to grow downwinding, get some more people involved. Um, we want to get better ourselves. We spend a lot of time trying to improve ourselves and our racing. Uh, we don't really have any coaches around or really any direction, um, so we're hoping to maybe talk to some different people um, at the higher end sports or your higher end paddlers and, and kind of pick their brain. I, I find a lot of other podcasts are done by super good paddlers and they talk to other super good paddlers and they've all started paddling when they're, you know, seven years old and they've, they've forgotten what they haven't known. Both of us started surf ski paddling in our thirties, uh, you know, late twenties, thirties, and we're still trying to figure it out. And I think that's valuable because we still remember how the, you know, the, the different things that we've had to try to figure out and we're, we are still f trying to figure it out. Um, so I think we can talk at a much lower level. Uh, and we also like getting in the weeds, wanting to know the why and everything. Um, Matt loves his details. I love my the details. 
I'm the technical guy. I got my Garmin and my heart rate, and I analyze everything. And Chase is more of the feel guy. He just wants to put time in. And oh, Matt, you just gotta feel it. Just, just takes time. So I think both both of us, you know, hopefully we'll speak to different people, uh, with, which we're both a little bit different. We want to pass our knowledge on. Um, again, we started late. So we kind of still remember, I still remember in detail, you know, all the little things that I had to learn in, in the steps that it took for me to learn it. So I'm hoping that that will help some other people as well. Yeah, I wish we would have gotten into this a little bit sooner, but never too late, right? Is that the old saying? Never too late. Um, you know, we have this, we love this area. I think it's great for paddling, you know, and, we, and it has great potential to to make like this area a hub for surf ski paddling and all water sports, particularly downwinding. Hopefully, hopefully, that's what that's what hooked me. Um, Matt was always, you know, we did surf lifesaving, and then Matt got into the ocean ski paddling, and he was always trying to convince me to start doing that with him. And I kind of felt like I had too many hobbies, um, but I'll never forget the first true real good down when we did i was hooked and uh i think i think if we can get a few more people hooked and this podcast will be a success yeah if you we have a lot of flat water paddlers here and we really want those guys to start transitioning guys and gals start transitioning to the ocean number one we need more cars to drop because if i call chase for a downwind he can't do it then i don't have anybody to drop a car with so that's a selfish reason. Um, but man, if you love flat water, and there's lots of people here who stand up board, OC, surf ski, and they love paddling, but they, they stay out of the ocean. And I just can't imagine. If, if you love flat water that much, you know, and, and once you start downwinding, it's just a whole nother, uh, a whole nother realm. Yeah, a whole other realm, a whole other level of, of falling in love with the sport, and that's that's what we're hoping to, hoping to share. So this first episode, it was a easy pick for us because I call Chase about every other day, and we talk about downwinding, even when it's flat. So we're gonna start it off on talking about downwinding. It's a hard thing to to introduce to people. Um, so the people that are you know, that are maybe a couple steps in with owning a surf ski, paddling flat water, paddling the ocean on, you know, you know, semi-calm days, but, but haven't really done a true downwind. Um, you know, maybe we just get a few more people into it and just grow it little, little baby steps. And that's what we wanted, we wanted to talk about a little bit is, Again, you know, we've listened to podcasts from professionals, and they kind of forgot the basic steps. Um, and we wanted to kind of describe maybe more of the basic steps to to learn downwinding a little bit. And and at least, look, I, I grew up in Virginia, you know, not near the beach at all until I was eighteen, and then moved up to New Jersey and, and lifeguarded up there. And that was the first time I've ever swam in the ocean was at a, the swim test. And so I, and I was 18. So I, I really have an appreciation for learning this stuff from the very beginning and being older and learning it where, where Chase has grown up here his whole life and, you know, was in the ocean at the time he was born. 
uh, where I feel like I've, I come from a little different background and, and really had to learn every single aspect from scratch. And that's what we're hoping to discuss, you know, each step about downwing and where we are. And, and certainly we're not experts by any means. So I, I know I have a lot to learn, but, uh, you know, describing the steps that I remember that, that I had to take to get to where I'm at. I'm hoping that that will help some other people maybe t take those steps as well and become more efficient at it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I think the number one thing is people need to know what it feels like to catch a wave on anything on, but, but especially what you're going to be paddling. Um, if all you've, you know, if, if you've never felt what it's like to, to catch a wave on a surf ski, it might be tricky trying to do a downwind because downwinding is like you're, you're, you're constantly catching waves. And, and if you don't even know that feeling, it's going to be hard to, to really get into the, get into the, the, the rhythm. We're always saying get into the rhythm. And I think that's a huge thing that's really hard to explain, but um, I don't know. Would you say that would be a... Yeah, I mean, the number one thing is people need to get their boats into the ocean and catch a... Like, the easiest wave to catch is a surf wave. And, and you know, a one or two foot, especially with a surf ski, you can practically catch anything. Yeah. So you go to the beach when it's one or two foot, and the, the wave's breaking at the sandbar, and you catch it. Um, and that really... You know, look, watching people trying to downwind who've never done that before, the biggest mistake I see, and it's very similar to teaching someone how to surf, it's, it's actually exactly similar to teaching someone how to surf, is they, they start too late and they stop too early. They start paddling too late and they stop too early. If you ever taught someone how to surf, that's exactly what they do. That right when they're about to catch it, they stop and then they fall off the back. And that's what I see, the biggest mistake I see with people, brand new people trying to learn. And how you get over that is, is you go to the beach and you just surf waves and it teaches you, you got to take those two or three extra strokes to get down the front of the wave to the bottom. Like that's step number one, down the face. And that's the thing about downwinding, just like learning how to surf ski, everything you're taught and told at the beginning, you're, it's pretty much the opposite. Like... You know, when I, I try to teach people how to surf ski, I always tell them, look, I'm going to tell you to do something now, but it's because you need to do a certain thing. But I guarantee on step five, six, and seven, I'm going to tell you the opposite to do. But it's the only way that I can get you to do what I need you to do now. And it's the same thing as downwinding. You Learning on a wave to go down straight is going to be different once you're efficient at it we're going to tell you not to do that anymore but the first thing you need to do step number one is go down the face straight to the beach straight in line with the wave and and learn how to go down it and That's you're step gonna fall one. you're gonna have to get back up paddle back out catch another wave you might fall and and you just got to do it over and over again and 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 that will you know, I think a lot of people are also timid to paddle in, in the ocean because they, they're kind of, they don't want to fall. 
because maybe they really haven't fallen much. Um, you know, they learn to paddle and they, they, um, you know, you kind of need to, you need to fall. You need to know what it feels like. You need to lose the surf ski, swim into the beach after it. You just got to get, get in the surf zone and, and do that for a little while. And, and you'll get over that, you know, that fear of falling real quick, I think, and just play and catch waves and, and really get that, you know, that, that feeling of being pushed by a wave and then, you know, in a downwind, it's, it's, you know, it's almost a, your goal is almost to be consistently pushed by a wave. Yeah. And that, you know, Oscar always says, you know, number one thing you got to learn is to remount. And that kind of goes back to our being a lifeguard and our being comfortable, us being comfortable in downwind is because we were in the spec ski and we surfed ways is what the first thing we did. And we fell and we remounted and we fell and we remounted and we fell and we remounted it. And you do that, you know, over and over and over again. When you fall in the middle of the ocean in a downwind, you don't freak out. You're, you're, you know that you can remount and you're, you're calm and you're not panicked. And most of the guys around here who flatwater race, you know, they don't fall. And, and I think, you know, that is so important with how when you go out, you know, now you're a mile offshore and it's super windy and you fall. It's okay because you've done it over and over again. So that's super duper important. Um, and you know, my next thing is, you know, the, the second easiest wave. And I think kind of the second step in the progression is to ride a boat wake. You know, that's even more simple than a, an ocean swell because you don't have to wait for there actually to be ocean swell. Uh, you can just go in the intercoastal and jump on a boat wake. And what I think is important about a boat wake. When we say intercoastal. It's where we live. It's it's an inland waterway where you know there's a lot of boat traffic. Usually, you know, slow moving boat traffic, and that's that's all you need really to, to feel what it, you know to to practice being pushed by a wave. Yeah, you know, the thing about I would the, say that's second, second the, to the the, the yeah the waves of the beach would still be my go to. Yes, yeah. I think the the boat wake teaches you to sit on top of the wave so at the beach you surf it forces you to steer also yes while you're on it yeah at the beach you have you surf down the face and you get to the bottom where a boat wake you kind of sit and teeter on top because the boat wakes usually what two foot wide three foot three foot wide you know way Eight. less than the you know way less than the length of a 18 foot or 21 and a half foot ski so you you, you don't you don't ever really go down the boat wake. You sit on top of the wave. And in downwinding, that's another mistake that I see. Once you become efficient at it, people are going, they go down down the face of the wave too quickly and they don't kind of teeter and, and be patient. So I think surfing the boat wake is super important, kind of the next step. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. Um. Uh, <clears throat> And then the third step, I would say, is where and you look. We're, and we're, we're talking in steps here, like, like 
like we're uh, we're experts on this. So this is just kind of bullet points that we that we're trying to 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 get across to people, and not like a step by step guide of how to downwind. Yeah, this is just what we what I've found for myself learning how to do this to the level that I'm at. These are what that I have done and, and worked well for me. Um, <clears throat> so for me, you know, the, the kind of the third most important is, is where to look. Um, and this is a really big progression, at least it's been for me. Uh, when I'm out doing a downwind, so I, I, I've learned how to surf a wave at the beach. I've ridden boat wakes. I kind of understand how to kind of sit on the crest of the wave. Uh, and now... I was always confused at the podcast where they said, oh, look at the alleys, look at the alleys. But when you're out in the, the open ocean, there are, you, just if you look straight in front of you, <laughs> there's so many different waves. You know, there's the big waves and there's the small waves and there's a windswell and there's a windswell coming from one direction. You know, Oscar always says, you know, there's always a wave going in your direction, the direction you want to go. When Matt says Oscar, he's talking about Oscar Chalupski who, Probably arguably the best downwind paddler yeah, over, the over the years, right? Would you say just with his knowledge? I mean, he's pretty accomplished too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say he's <laughs> one of the best, arguably the best downwind paddler ever. And, and the great thing about him is he teaches and he gives all his knowledge yes. for free. He shares a lot of information. And you, you go to YouTube, you can find all this stuff on YouTube. And it's so great. I mean, you know, it's so great. That he, I mean, he's a, you know, he's known in the sport all over the world. A great, probably the best ambassador to the sport in the world. Yeah. And a lot of stuff, again, that we've learned is through YouTube and trying it out and different videos and, and, and it, it kind of all comes true. You know, they, what we're describing, they, he's described a hundred times over. Um, but I've, I've noticed that, you know, I've, I've, listened, I've watched so many videos and listened to so many people talk. I've noticed that, you know, people describe the same exact thing different ways. And I always pick up on these little, you know, something they might say might not, might not really... I might not understand what they're talking about, and someone might describe the same exact thing and say a, a, a key word, and it really speaks to me, and I now I understand what they're describing, and now I understand what the other person was trying to get me to describe. So our hope is that maybe that will help you guys, you or whoever the listeners are, that maybe we might be described it in a certain way that you really latch on and be like, okay, now I understand what they're talking about. Ever, ever since I've known you, Matt, you've always been... Picking apart the details from every angle. And I feel like I've kind of been the guy that's like, ah, just, I don't know. You just got to get out there. You just got to do it. Just put the time in. And I think, I think the best is a combination of both. Because you got to put the time in. But then while you're putting the time in, try and think about the little details and, and listen and learn and watch. And then... Between those two things, that's like the probably the, the quickest way to progress at something. Yeah, Chase is very feel oriented. I feel it, and uh, you know, which is a hard thing to describe. It's very <laughs> to hard someone. to describe. No, Matt, I just you just gotta feel. It. You can feel it, and that that means nothing. And that doesn't work for me. <laughs> I need to know why. 
what are you feeling? So hopefully, with us both interjecting, it will speak to both parties. Yeah. So the, yeah, looking yeah looking for no you know knowing what you're looking at is is huge, and and as you paddle more and or, or as you downwind paddle more and you kind of analyze what you're looking at in front of you, which is the backs of waves, pretty much. Um, the backs of waves, the um, maybe an underlying groundswell or um, you know little side chop. You're you're all you're but but pretty much you're looking at the backs of waves and um, you know. And a wave is a mirror. Whatever you're looking at the back is kind of what it's doing in the front. So you got to keep that in to consideration that's why you you know when you're at the beach riding a wave from the beach you look behind yourself for the wave but when you're downwinding you'd never look behind yourself you look at front of front of you and that should generally be what's gonna be happening behind you right and you know when i when when i first started downwinding it's so confusing there's so many waves and so many things to look at it's like I'm overloaded. It's information overload. So what I found worked for me is is I would find a tiny little wave that's right in front of the nose of my ski. And, you know, this kind of goes back to something else that Oscar says. He always says you you catch the small ones and then they help you catch the big ones. So... You know, when I first started downwinding, it's, it's too confusing. There's too much of things to look at. I'm looking for these alleys because everybody's talking about alleys. I can't see any of that. So I found that if I just followed one little tiny wave, I put my nose of my ski right behind this tiny little wave, whether it was going left or right, it didn't matter. And I just put my nose behind that tiny wave so that my nose was at the back of it. And I followed it. I just paddled and I followed that wave that that would eventually lead me to another wave. And then I put the nose of my ski. So it's kind of weird that the little wave just kind of disappears underneath you because you've kind of ridden faster than it. And then now I'm looking for the next wave that's right, and I'm talking about right in front of the nose. And then that, then I just follow that one. And then that one led me to another one. So my third part is forget all that stuff looking for alleys the first thing you need to do is be able to find this tiny little wave that's right in front of your nose and follow it and then that will lead to another one and you follow that one and that was kind of my first step of linking runners i didn't know how i was doing it but it helped me link one wave to the other yeah i i think that's that would if there's one thing that you're thinking about as you're paddling downwind you're always trying to put the nose in that hole i guess you could you could say you're always trying to keep the nose right in the hole of a of a of a, of a little wave and it kind of seems like the little waves will pop up and dissipate quickly and sometimes the bigger waves will you know, last a little longer. So as long as you're looking, or not necessarily looking, yeah, you're looking, but you're 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 putting the nose 
just behind in the hole of anything that's in front of you, you're going to get pushed by that. And eventually, you'll get pushed by a big wave. You'll get a good burst of speed. And, you know, you can ride ride that for, for as long as you can. And, and as you get better, you'll probably be able to ride that for longer. But at first... You're just you're you're just getting pushed by whatever's out there, and and then as you get better, you'll start to maintain. Um, I think that was that was something I noticed. It, it started getting really fun for me when I was noticing that you know you can start to main, maintain more of a consistent speed. Um, a lot of times. You know, I, I can kind of remember when I first started it. You know, I could catch a wave and get some speed. I'm like, oh yeah, that was fun. And then you kind of fall off the back, and you catch the next one, and you get a little push, and then you fall off the back. But as you get better, you can kind of learn how to. And this is what Matt was just saying with linking runs. You you learn to keep your speed up and keep a consistent, a higher consistent speed, and and then that's. And, and and that's for me anyways that's when it gets really fun because then it's like a puzzle you catch you catch a run and and as you're as you're you're using the the speed and the power from that run you're deciding what your next move is going to be you're always looking for that hole to put the nose in but you might have some options and and then that's when it then that that's that's when you're kind of solving a puzzle and I don't know. I feel like that's when I really get into that. That, I mean, it's it's flow state basically, where your mind is just so occupied, you know, on what's going on in front of you, that you just lose track of time. It it's just uh, that sounds cliche, but it's just it takes you to a different place. It's the, <laughs> it's the meditation. And then, uh, you know, there's a great podcast that Austin Kiefer talks about the exact same thing about linking the runs. And he said that when he was learning, he was paddling with like Hank McGregor and doing training runs. And at the end of the training runs, he'd show his Garmin or GPS and be so proud because he'd always have the top, top average, the max speed. He'd always have this, he'd beat everybody in max speed, but they'd always beat him in average speed. And, you know, when you first start off, you you catch this huge bomb of a runner. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm going so fast. But it's actually about maintaining, always staying on a run. It's not about how fast you can go in, on one wave. It's about maintaining your average speed. And then, and then he kind of learned that sometimes going down the face of those big bombs is actually the exact wrong thing to do. Because it spikes your speed, and then you get into a lull. And then your speed goes down, and you're not main. You're not always on a run. Um, so that was always interesting to, to hear what he said about that. Yeah, and then as you as you start feeling that rhythm and and maintaining more of a consistent speed, then the next thing I would I would say is is using your guess your your fitness or your you know your your actual paddling to you know pull over tops of little little bumps in front of you 
to get into basically it's called skipping a run where you can power through some so you can get into the one in front you're kind of going up and over or around or through little gaps and that can also that's also a rhythm and that takes you know that takes time and practice kind of knowing if you can get over that run in front of you because sometimes you'll put all this effort in thinking you can pull over the top and you, you don't and you're just it zaps all your speed and now you wasted so much power and energy trying to trying to jump over that run um so that's another part of the puzzle can i make it over that run how much speed do i have should I go left a little bit? Should I go right a little bit? Should I stay where I'm at? Um, yeah, and Oscar always says, uh, never go for a run you can't get. But when you go for a run, you have to get it. And and people get swamped all the time. And what happens, they get swamped because they think they're going to get it, they go hard, and they can't pull over it. And that causes all the water to come in your cockpit and you get swamped. I remember that was happening a lot when I did downwinds the first couple times. I was I was getting swamped a lot and and that, you know, once you find your your rhythm and you find your the I don't think there's a better word than rhythm. When you when you find the rhythm and you're paddling, you know, you're putting the power in at the right times, you're resting at the right times, you're, you're, uh, you know, steering in the right direction. If you're doing all that correctly, you're never swamping. You're one, yeah, once you get halfway decent, you never swamp. Because you know when not to, if you, if I start to go for a run and I know I'm, it's going to, I'm not going to have the strength to do it, I, you, you stop early. You won't get swamped. Stop early. And I heard someone say this, and it, and it actually, it really, it really clicked with me. And it, I know my wife, it, I remember it was, it, it was like a game changer for her is if you do fall off the back of a run, keep paddling. You don't have to paddle hard, but keep moving the paddle. And, and that's going to, a lot of times I think maintain just enough forward momentum to to not get swamped from the wave behind you. Matt, you might have to edit that out. <laughs> I don't I gotta listen to that again. <laughs> yeah. Keep paddling. Just yeah, keep paddling. Keep your Not shirt. hard. Look, it's 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 downwinding is an interval session. Yes, that's that's you know it's not a steady paddle, and I think you know we we see that a big mistake is when you know some lifeguards actually are kind of famous for saying you know you need to paddle hard all the time. Um, that's not the case at all. You you put the power down. And then you might be still paddling and ticking over, but you shut it down. So it's intervals. Super hard, easy. Super hard, easy. There's no in between. It's it's not a orange zone straight paddle. Yeah, if you went hard, if you were trying to push it hard the whole time, you would kill yourself, and it wouldn't be that much fun because you're not you're not taking advantage of 
the, the wind and the waves that's pushing you. Once you learn to take advantage of that, and that's another cool thing with downwinding is you're, you're kind of just, you're, you're working with the ocean. You're not fighting against it. And once you, it's almost like when you know that you're working with it, the most efficient, in, in the most efficient way, it, it's really fun because you're going fast. You're not using a ton of effort. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it is intervals. You have to put the power down at the right time, rest at the right time. Always keep the blade moving. Always keep paddling. But a lot, many times you're, you're you're not really putting any power into it. Yeah, just easy just strokes. Spinning. You know, and it, for me, you know, so the third thing was just finding that tiny little wave that's in front of you. And that once I could do that, and I started linking it. Not again, I didn't know why I was linking it, linking one or the other. I couldn't see any alleys. I just kind of worked out that if I just followed this wave, that kind of dissipated, and I saw another wave, and I chased that wave. You know, if one if it went to the left, I would go to the left. If the, if that one died, and, and I saw another one go to the right, I'd go to the right, and that seemed to work. And then after that, the other, the, the next thing I noticed. It's just like if, if you're a surfer, you want to start off at, there's a strong point, there's a peak in a wave. If there's a wave on the beach, there's a peak in the wave that's just the highest point in the wave. You kind of want to start there. That's where all the energy, the most energy is in the wave. And you don't surf straight down once you become good at surfing. You surf to the side. And you start to the peak and then you surf down the line as the peak starts to crumble, you start working yourself down the line. So because I was a lifeguard, I at least understood that concept. And I started noticing, when I looked at the wave, the bigger waves in front of me, once I got used to seeing the small waves, now I can see the next wave, and those next waves are a little bigger. And I noticed that if I just looked in front of me and found the peak of the wave in front of me, not it's almost like the next step. So you, I'm following the little wave right in front of the nose of my ski. I can see that now because I've been practicing. Now I look the next wave in front of that wave, and I've noticed that wave is a little bigger. And then I've noticed that hey, I can see over to the left is the same wave, but the peak is higher over to the left. So then I started steering towards the peak, and I wanted to put my nose in the back of the peak of the wave in front of me. That was kind of the next step for me. I don't know if that makes sense for Chase because he was kind of always a surfer. No, it, it makes sense. I, I think, um, I wish I wouldn't have gone off on that tangent because that was a good, um, you're, you're talking about this in a good in a good order. And I, and I kind of went off on a tangent there, skipping ahead. But yeah, that's... um. I think that was that was well said. I don't know if I have anything to add to that. There's and then, always something to push you, but the goal is to find the bigger ones to push you right. faster. And if they're not pushing you faster, there should always be a little one to push you. So just follow that little one. Eventually, you'll get a big one. Yeah, you you know you you end up actually riding way more little ones than you do big ones. At the end of the day. You know, the little ones, it's almost like 
three little ones. You get, you just get a small one, and then that gets a little bigger, and then that gets a little bigger, and then the next one's a big one, and then you kind of start over again and get the small one. So if you add all those up throughout the whole downwind, you know the percentage of small ones you're riding is way more than the big bombs that you get to drop into. Yeah. But those big bombs are super fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, so the the next thing for me again is almost like my four B or or my four dash A rather. Uh, you know, so number four for me was being able to see the large peaks in front of me. So once I could do that, four A would be. People are going what? <laughs> I know. I got this written down, trying to make it a little more organized in my head. So, so the next step for me, and Oscar says this too all the time, and and most other people do. I quote Oscar a lot because he just has so much content online. Is keep the nose dry, and this goes back all the way back to riding the boat wake, and I think the difference between riding, you know, all the way back to step one which was riding a wave at the beach. In that instance, you're dropping down the face to the bottom. Now, at the beach, there's one wave that you're riding. You, If that's a downwind, what would happen, there would be a wave right in front of that wave. And you would actually, if you dropped all the way down that big wave at the beach, you would run the back of your, your nose into the back of that big wave. And that's what that's you don't want to do that in downwinding. Again, these are step by step. So what we what you should do at the beginning while you're learning is going to change to what you're actually going to do later on. And this is one of those changes. So riding this well at the beach, you're going down the face. Riding the boat wake, you're kind of floating more on top of the wave. And and this is after I started seeing the big peaks, I also noticed. I started to learn that I can ride on the top of the wave that I'm on, be patient, patience is key, wait till I could see the bigger swell in front of me, whether it's going to be the left or the right, because you have to, you have to allow the ocean to show you where to go. You know, that, that's that Zen, getting in that Zen moment, you're working with the ocean. You don't tell the ocean where to go. The ocean tells you where to go. So when you're on that run and you're looking for the next large peak to get behind, you have to you're you're on top of the wave. And then once you see it, that's when you paddle hard and go down the face of the wave. And that gives you the speed to hop over maybe a little one in front of you to get behind the much bigger wave. So that goes, in my opinion, that goes back to learning to ride those boat wakes where you're kind of floating on top. And it's super important to be patient because oftentimes I find that people, they get on a wave and they immediately go down the face. And they go down the face before they've picked the correct direction to go to. And once you go down the face, if you go left, if you decide to go left, you can't turn it back right. There's actually not a lot of steering and downwinding. Like you're not bearing your rudder. Once you go in a direction, that's the way that you're going because there's so much speed into the waves. So if you go left and it's the wrong decision, you're stuck going left. But if you're patient at the top of the wave, your rudder's actually kind of out of the wave, out of the water, 
and you can pick to go left or right, but you kind of have to be patient. People always seem to rush that part. I think this is where I'm going to pull out my, my, you got to feel it <laughs> line. I, I think you, you got to know where you're sitting on that run or on that wave. We say waves. A lot of times it's, it's a wave. Of course it's a wave, but it's not a breaking wave like people would think of at the beach. So we might say a wave, we might say a run. It, it's kind of the same thing. No, same thing. Um, but as, as you're sitting on one, you kind of have to know, am I too high? Am I too far back? Am I too far forward? Or am I just right? And, and you want to, you know, you kind of have to know, yeah, I'm okay here. It's going to keep pushing me, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of teetering on the top. I don't need to go down to the bottom. I'm good right here. Sometimes you'll be teeter. I say teetering. It's kind of when you're just kind of just balancing at the top of the run. Sometimes I need to put one or two more strokes in to make sure that I stay on it. But I don't want to do five strokes and then then I'm at the bottom and I wasted you know that time I I could have spent at the top, the longer you can stay kind of at the top of a wave or at the top of a run, that's that's when you're moving the fastest. That's part of, I, I feel like that's part of keeping that average speed up. Um, so It's part of being always on a run. Yes. People say you always want to be on a run at all times. Staying on that tip, the top, means you're on it. Yep. As long as you can stay there, then therefore you're always on a run. which translates to the average speed. And and that you know when you go down the face of that big bomb that you finally catch, your speed spikes, but then oftentimes it drops. It drops because that big swell goes through and you're not on a run anymore. And sometimes you know sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. You might bury the nose a little bit. Um, I, you know, sometimes you'll you'll be dropping in on a run and you're like, ah, man, there's really nowhere for me to go except straight. And you'll go straight and you might bury the nose a little bit. Um, sometimes you don't have a, another option, but I feel like there's always, I feel like there's always little subtle direction changes that you can be making um, to, to, to get the most out of it. Yeah, and the conditions to... are so different. I mean, it's, it, it can be, it, you know, conditions are so so different day to day that you know it, it's uh, it just yeah I don't know, it might just it sometimes it's just not a good day. You could go for a downwind paddle and like man, I, my average speed was so slow that was horrible. Um, you know, sometimes it's just not a great day for it. But that's part of the part of the game and part of the puzzle is 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 getting the most out of what the conditions are giving you. And that's what I think is really cool about the ocean ski racing is, yeah, it's, it's a paddling race, but it's also a, a knowledge. It's almost like a, 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 a knowledge competition of reading the ocean because um, that's how you're going to get your fastest time. That's how you're going to maintain that speed up is yeah you got to be a good paddler and a strong paddler um but you gotta that, that's combined with 
reading the ocean and making making all the right decisions of where to go, when to paddle, when to paddle hard, when to back off, when to rest. So yeah, it's a skill and it's an art. And Lee McGregor always says, you know, there's there's guys who want to do sprint kayaking, and it's you against yourself, and you go as hard as you can in a straight line for a thousand meters, and it's over. And then that's kayaking. And then there's the skill. There's not. I mean, there's not a lot of skill in that. There's skill. You obviously have to be good, but there's an art to downwind. And there's kayaking, which is sprint kayaking. And then there's an art, and, and the downwinding is the art. Yeah, I think it, it combines your fitness. I mean, it takes everything. It, it it takes everything that people want to achieve with flat water paddling. Your fitness, your stroke, um, you know, just your overall paddling speed. But then it takes that, and then it just combines it with a whole nother, um, whole nother aspect. Which is what really a whole really much more yeah a more enjoyable aspect a more enjoyable aspect exactly it's not just all pain um, so the next you know the, the next step for me this is kind of where I'm at now and this happened fairly recently so I've learned to paddle find the little one in front of my nose and I've learned to see the peak of the wave in front of me and now I started actually finally noticing the alleys that everybody talks about and but it was it's so easier for me to see the peak than the alley and you know because it's, it's just it was just easier for me I could see the large you know the tallest section on the wave and that was easy for me to identify after I could see that and kept following that then I realized, well, there's a peak in front of me and there's a peak to the left, and those two peaks are the alleys. So now instead of... Or in between. Or in between, rather. In between those two the peaks alleys. are these alleys that these people are talking about. And, and again, this has taken me, man, seven, eight years to be able to see this. And now... Now, granted, we can't do a downwind every day like right. maybe a lot We of might do... do 10 or 20 a year that's probably about it good T 10 oh. or 20 like real downwind paddles right. we'll do out and ends or you know playing the waves but but like a start to finish downwind paddle. that's not in south africa where you can do a, a world class downwind every day practically right so it's taken me a long time and and recently i found that you know at first i i, I just started experimenting I, I said okay you know i'm gonna instead of putting the peak of instead of finding the peak of the wave in front of me and going behind it, I'm going to the opposite direction. So I see a peak to the left. I had historically gone to the left and tried to put my nose right behind that peak. Now, if that's the peak to the left, over to the right should be an alley. So I'm just going to go to the right. And, man, it's really made a big difference. Um, Chase is always... And, and still does is always a much better downwinder than I am. So when we do a downwinder, he's always quite a bit further in front of me. And I've noticed just this little change and the changes. Now I'm kind of identifying the alleys. I still can't see them all but the you way, can feel them. but I can feel them. I can feel them. 
thanks to Chase, because he's always telling me to feel. But I can feel them, and it's working. I'm going to the opposite of what I – and, again, this is a step-by-step. I couldn't – there's no way in hell I could see those valleys to begin with. So the easiest thing for me was to see the peaks. So now I just, well, you know what? I'm going to go the opposite. And, man, it's just – it's really making me link because now, inevitably, I'm in the valley where, where all these people are telling you to be. Um, I, yeah, I think this is a good – this is when you catch a, a, you know, a decent-sized run where you get a, a decent amount of speed from, and you make the decision. You look at what's in front of you and you make the decision. Am I going to go – right behind this big peak over to my right or maybe I could go a little bit to my left and harness the speed that I just uh, got from the run that I was just on use that speed and maybe I can I can sneak through this quote alley and get in front of that big peak you're, you're kind of like you know you could you could go right behind that big peak and you might bury the nose a little bit, but you know you'll get another good push. But if you can find an alley and maybe use that speed that you just had, and sneak around, basically it's it's you're, you're sneaking around these big peaks. Maybe you go a little bit to the left, and you pick up a run over there that once it forms up and pushes you, now you're in front of that big peak that you were just about to get stuck behind. I mean, this is this is getting like. Well, this is this is getting detailed. This is getting to the art, and I I was fortunate enough to do a downwind and a double with Jasper Mach Machia did the Miller's Run when we were over in South Africa, and he described it. He said you have to the the true the true art is knowing there's going to be a wave before it happens, and I'm starting to get a glimpse of that, and that's part of you know, time, uh, and doing it and, and seeing these valleys again, I can't really see all of them yet. Um, but I, I, but I'm starting to understand the ocean where, like Chase said, if you go around that wave, you kind of know that you can get around it. And then, you know, there's going to be a run to get around it before it even happens. And I'm starting to be able to feel and, and see that. And that's what yeah. the elite guys do. Some sometimes I've noticed some of the best runs that that I get. Sometimes it, it's the ones that form up right under you. It's not even something you're 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 looking at in front of you. I mean, you're always looking at something in front of you. But sometimes I can just feel when that run's gonna pop up right under me, and that I can I can almost get more out of that than than a lot of the other ones um and and it's and and once you get the speed from that run or, or any run once you get that speed you gotta you gotta decide your next move and maybe for the for an, an easy way is always just put your nose behind the big peak that, I think that's, to me, was the easy way. Yeah, that, that was that, the I, most simplest. I think that's a good go-to for any person that's trying to get better at this. I think that's a good go-to. 
but to take it almost like to the next level, now you're trying to, what's the goal? I mean, I guess the, the goal is always just have fun. If you're having fun and you're catching runs, then, then, then you're winning. For me and Matt, I think our goal is always to go faster. <laughs> My goal you, is always to try to beat Chase. Because <laughs> we, we like racing. Um, and and so, so our goal is always to go faster, get a higher average speed. And when you can skip runs or go around big peaks to get in front of them, then, then you're going faster. Um, and, and sometimes you got to decide. Sometimes you're, you're on a run, you get some speed, and you have to decide, should I put all my power down and try and jump this, this little hump that I see in front of me? And, and if you can, then that's great. Now you're one run ahead. If you can't, you've just wasted so much energy. And, it, and the fun starts, you start zapping the fun out of it real quick. So if you're not sure that you can jump the run in front of you, then you gotta, you gotta think. Okay, what's my next move? I can't do that. I'm not gonna risk doing that. Should I steer a little more left? Should I steer a little more right? Or maybe I just spin the paddle a little bit, and and just maybe wait a couple seconds and see, you know, see what changes, see what the water does around me, and then, then you know, you'll have oh, you know, you'll have that moment like oh yeah, going that. Yeah, you know, and, and now I'm finding myself, and I'm not sure if this is the right answer because I haven't figured this part out, is I'm always avoiding the big drops. The the big, when I first started downwinding, I tried to catch the big ones and go straight down it. My max speed would go super, super high, and it's fun. It's like surfing a wave at the beach. But now I never take those going straight down. I always take them going sideways, and I'm always try, almost trying to work around them, Um and I, you know, again, I'm not sure if that's the right answer because that's essentially the. This is where I've gotten to, and and again, I'm trying to figure it, figure out the next step. Um, I I think you need to the 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 big runs, the big drops, are are fun. <laughs> so I think you should do that because they're fun, but they also give you a lot of speed and. I think if you know any time you can get speed from something, I think you should do it. But always kind of ha- think two steps ahead and what you're gonna do. It you know once you get that speed. I think you could get a big run and just ride it until it fizzles out, and then I I think then you're I think you're going slower that way. Then what you're saying is if you're if you're catching more of the little ones that are more consistent and constant, and it's like little run, little run, little run. Your average speed is is pretty good. If you were to get a big one and just ride it and it fizzles out, and then you just wait for another big one and you ride it and it fizzles out, your average speed is going to be slower. But I think this is this is what I was trying to get to. If you get that big run and you do get a good burst of speed it's it's what do you do with that speed at that very moment is what is gonna it has to translate to another wave yeah that's what is gonna make get that average speed up i think oscar says 
he'd much rather pull off of a wave that he's a run. He'd much rather pull off of a run early than ride one to its fruition. Because, and I think, and I never really understood what he meant by that. Yeah. But yeah. if you ride a big wave, especially a big wave, to its fruition, then you're in dead water and you're not on a run. And the yep. most important thing to do is always be on a run, whether it's a small, it could be the, the smallest one. And you can hear it in their scupper. You know, when you're on, when you're, when you're on a run, you know, at least my scuppers are open scuppers and I can just hear, it makes a certain sound when you're on a run. And if I ride a big wave to its fruition, your speed drops to nothing and you lose that sound. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I concentrate now is I always just want to hear that sound and that tells me I'm always on a run. Yeah. Yeah. That sound can be, that sound can be really useful. Um, Cause something else I've noticed when we start our downwind paddle, um, it, you know, it takes me a few minutes to kind of, to, to kind of figure out the rhythm and the first few minutes, five minutes, I don't know. I, I don't, it doesn't feel right. And as, as once a little time goes by, then you start figuring out the rhythm and you're like, okay this feels right and my scuppers are making a lot of noise and the noise isn't going away I must be doing something right um, so yeah it's that that is a uh, sometimes I'll sometimes if I'm paddling a ski without scuppers it it's actually it almost is it, it's it's it, it's it, I feel like there's something missing I feel like I'm not going fast because I'm not hearing that noise I actually like, I really like hearing that noise. It, it sounds crazy, but um, there's something about it. And that's perfect transition to my last point. And we talked about it before. And that's getting in that meditated state. Um, it really is a flow state. A flow state where... Matt's dog scratching the carpet, which is professional. Very, very, very uh, distracting. Um, <laughs> so you just have to try to be in, stay in the moment, stay in the moment, and you know people call it different things: a flow state, being in the moment, being in the present. You know, just being one with the ocean, being part of the ocean, and, and letting the ocean lead you. And you're so concentrated on what you're doing at that moment in the moment that you're in that you're not thinking about work you're not thinking about being tired you're not thinking about what chores you got to do when you get home you're not thinking about the chases still beating you you know you don't think about any of that you're just with the waves and, and i think you know that's kind of the goal or, or that's the magical part that's that's what makes it special that's what makes yeah. it different than paddling flat water and racing you know it, it's it's so enjoyable and it's it's kind of magical yeah yeah I, i'd agree one other thing i i and this this would probably this could be a whole nother topic that we won't get into but um kind of kind of like a safety topic but another you know aspect of ocean paddling just say ocean paddling downwinding but um you know you you get 
a mile, two miles offshore, you start feeling really small. And it's, it, it's kind of, that's kind of part of the fun of it for me. Um, you feel, you feel very small in a big ocean and it's, it's, uh, I don't know. That's just, I, I guess, I, I don't know how else to describe it. That's part of the, that, that's another reason that I enjoy it. Um, it's another reason to, 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 to try and always play it safe and, and, you know, take safety precautions because, um, here we are, we want to talk people into doing downwinds, but we, we really don't want to, you know, have someone get blown offshore <laughs> into the middle of the ocean. So, um, so safety is a whole nother aspect, but that feeling of being so small and the ocean so big and, and trying to just, just get into the, 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 the rhythm of the ocean and, um, you know, you get back to the beach and I don't know that it just it feels fun. That, that one downwind that I was, that, that got me hooked that I was talking about in the very beginning, it was, it was a, it was a rough day out there, but the water was still blue. And, you know, for a minute there, I just stopped paddling. I was sitting out there looking around and, and it's really when you look behind you that you realize, wow, it's, it's big out here. But it was, it was such a, it was kind of exhilarating. Um, and so, you know, that, that's part of the fun of it for me also, but yes, that nature, you know, hikers and mountain climbers and anywhere in nature, you, you, if you stop and appreciate the grandeur of it, you, you realize all the little problems that you have. You know, it puts everything in perspective. Like, here we are, we think we run the universe and run the planet, and, and then you go out there in that, that big nature where you really can't control what's happening. And, you know, the ocean can do whatever it wants to you kind of puts everything in perspective like man the, the power of the earth i don't know i think people not only people who downwind can appreciate and feel that you know if you go to zion or the grand canyon and just see kind of puts everything in perspective how small we really are yeah i yeah that's uh i don't know i think that's a good that might be a good way to wrap this up yeah i think that's kind of my notes that i have trying to semi on track we've been going for about an hour and 13 minutes so i think that that's a first a, a good first one and we have a list of topics that i'm sure we want to get to training i'm especially passionate about figuring that part out and hopefully Matt, i just got a gps watch <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 falling into that chase has always been about feel and Listening never body. never keep tracks of times and i'm i like have eight different heart rate monitors <laughs> on every part of my body just to make sure i got the most accurate heart rate data um so he finally got a gps watch and it's been and, fascinating and, a heart rate monitor. and it actually made me feel a lot better because when he beats me and my heart rate's 180 and he looks like he's not hurting it's finally nice to know now that his heart rate's 182. It makes me feel a little better. So hopefully that we'll uh, get that on the next topic. But appreciate whoever's listening, which probably just be our girlfriends and probably nobody else. But <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, uh, if if you're listening to this and you don't know us, um, that's a 
I don't know. That's a big leap for us. That is a big leap. I expect all my friends to listen and then no one else. <laughs> so but Secretly inside, I'm hoping, you know, this, this actually, th- that this was fun for the moment, but secretly I'm, I'm hoping no one ever hears No one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are listening, thank you very much. And uh, this is the Paddle Chat with Chase and Matt.